Hello, and welcome to Survivor Stories. My name is Jacob Little, and I've created this podcast for survivors. When I say survivors, I mean survivors of child abuse, survivors of addiction, survivors of the prison system, survivors of domestic violence, survivors of institutional child abuse. I'd like to give a trigger warning. This podcast will be real and raw as fuck. We will be interviewing survivors and also services that are helping survivors on their journey. Having lived experience of institutional child abuse and the prison system, I encourage all survivors to speak up. Hey guys, I've got uh, someone very new to the show. My name is Nella. So how you going, Nella? Good. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being a part of it. Thank you. So excited for this and nervous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to kill it. So the way that me and um, Nell actually connected was through social media. Um, we, I think we connected maybe through a hashtag or survivor hashtag and then she followed me or I followed her and then we started talking and we've actually done a few, I think we've done an Instagram live together. So yeah, sort of just wanted to get Nell on to have a talk about um, her story, what she's been through, and things like that. So, yeah, we'll get we'll get yeah. into it, Nella. Um, so, Thank what was it you. like for you when you were growing up as a kid? Where are you from, and things like that? Yes, yeah, so I'm an only child, and I was born in Europe, 1990, um, to two very passionate parents with a very short temper. Just to paint a picture. Um, so, my dad, he was hardly home because he was always at work or he was having an affair with someone, flavor of the week. Um, so by the age of six, mom and I actually ran away from home. Um, I actually still remember for some reason, it's just printed in my head when we ran away because he was having, they were fighting about something. And when we ran away, there was this um, person that both my parents were familiar with. They had like a news agency truck. You know how you kind of see it was in the movies in New York kind of thing. Um, and we actually hid there because it was a really long stretch of a run. So by then we were puffed out. So we asked to hide in there. And I still remember my dad going and asking if they had seen us and like just my heart being in my throat. So that was probably like my first sort of traumatic kind of experience, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, so we left him. But my first actually abuse started before they split up. Because obviously, you know, in the last few years, I started puzzling everything together. And I always yep. kind of assumed the abuse would have happened after the divorce because it kind of would have been a more easier environment for things like that to happen. Yep. Um, so I hope you don't mind me just kind of jumping straight into it. No, um, Just because, yeah, the first abuse kind of happened before they split up. And um, we were just visiting a family friend. And I was in the other room, in the playroom, as you do with the kids. And um, it was a girl that was close to my age as well. Um, She definitely, looking back now, she 100% was abused by her uncles or someone there. And, yeah, so she just kind of took charge and, you know, starting just doing whatever she wanted and... Yes, that that was my first abuse. Um, And at that age, I was five years old um, and I never had a talk about, you know, what's a safe and unsafe touch. And so I had no idea what was happening, kind of just going with it. And 
you know, it wasn't hurting. It was feeling new. So as a little yeah. girl, you just kind of roll with it and just kind of follow their lead. Cause she was just kind of saying, Oh yes, you know, I do this all the time. This is just what you do. So I was like, yeah, no idea what's happening. Just kind of rolling with it. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so that was then. And then after, by the age of six, that's, that's when my parents split up. Yeah. Um, and after that, so it was pretty much just mum and me. And because my dad was an occasional sight in the picture, I always kind of loved having the idea of an older brother or, you know, someone to protect me, someone to play with. Because as an only child, when mum's always at work and me after school, if I'm not with friends, I'm always just home alone. So, you know, you always as a kid want to have someone to play with. Um, yeah. So maybe it was... Um, so we were at that stage between six to, uh, I actually can't even recall how long we were there for. So we were living in commission homes. Um, okay. Was this still in yeah. Europe? Yeah. So this is still in Europe. All of this happened um, still in Europe. And just sort of paint a picture for people who yeah. may be listening um, in Australia or around the world. Um, I'm not too familiar with Europe myself. or I know I grew up house commission myself, but can you sort of tell us what it was like there? What was the setting? Yeah. Um, so they're a little bit different to what I've seen in Melbourne here, the commissioner homes. Um, the one we lived in had at that time, so it was 1996, there was a whole war happening with um, people from Bosnia. Um, yeah. And if anyone that's Bosnian listening, I'm sorry, I don't remember the full details, but there was actually a lot of um, mothers with their children in that home as well. Yeah, okay. So, but there was definitely, you know, there was a few weirdos, like our next door neighbour, he was just a weirdo. I, you know, I would never be allowed to be alone around him kind of thing. He was just not well. Yeah. Um, there was definitely a few scary, unstable people, but I, I had made um, quite a few friends there because there was a lot of children there. Um, I actually remember that time being really, really good um one of the friends I had was an older girl and she was I think she was Romanian this is all in Germany by the way so everyone okay. kind of fled to Germany because it was kind of the financially safe country at the time with everything that was happening yep. so this girl um just me now which god I hope I find her one day and meet her again and I hope she's still alive because being good friends with her one day she wasn't at the playground anymore because that commissioner house had like a little play playground outside of it. Yeah. And I was looking for her and I was like, you know, where is she? And I was asking the older siblings and all of that. And then I overheard my dad um, actually discuss that her own dad had sold her to someone. Wow. So her own dad sold her to probably like, you know, sex trafficking people because I guess they would do anything for money at that time. And she was a beautiful girl. You know, she was maybe three, four years older than me, but because she was so developed, physically developed already, you know, they mm. just quickly like, yep, you know, sell her off and all of that. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that was what it was like, just painting the picture, um, living in a commissioner home back then. Um, but well, yeah, yeah, we eventually got out of there. Sorry, yeah. go on. No, no, I was just going to say, you know, going up over there, this is obviously after you left your father, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So you're just you and your mother living in living in the commission. Was it was it scary at that time for for yourself? 
I mean, the first few nights was definitely scary. Um, yeah. You know, you hear a lot of people screaming and fighting and there's all these new sounds and, you know, you don't know what's, if you're going to be safe, if someone's going to try and break in and you yeah. don't know what's going to happen. Um, but eventually kind of became the norm, yeah. um, especially once both my mom and myself started making friends. You know, we made lots of beautiful, like uh, Bosnian and Brazilian friends and people from all around the, the world from who knows what, journeys you know they were on um so it actually became a really nice place to be at at the time um eventually mum got a job um you know got enough money so we could get out of there and um around that time when we moved out as well is when my older cousin male cousin came in the scene and I was excited, you know, he, everyone loved him. He was a comedian in the whole family and he was a cool guy. He was a, you know, I was like, oh my God, this is like the older brother I always wanted. Yeah. Um, and finally someone to play with. And he was, I'm going to say he was maybe around 15, 14 years old. Cause this is all a bit blurry to me. Um, but I would have been now maybe seven. Yeah. Cause I, I don't think we lived that long in the commissioner home from memory. So let's say I was around seven or eight years old. Um, and I probably would be able to confirm the dates more properly if I go through my photos. Um, but maybe I should do that one day. <laughs> so, yeah, so he was really good. You know, he was the protective brother that, you know, I played with. And um, he actually looked after me as well because my mum being a single mum and just times having been quite tough in Germany back then as well, they would work wherever they could. They'd clean whatever place they could. So both our mums were okay, frequently off to clean offices or whatever they were cleaning back then. And um, he was left in charge to look after me. Yeah. Um, and that was all good at first. You know, I did my thing. I did my homework and he did whatever. Um, but that quickly took a shit turn as well because he started to hit me whenever I didn't want to play or sometimes it would just be for no reason as well. He would just just hit me for the sake of it sometimes. Um, and I, of course, I complained because it was, you know, I, it was actually really hurting. He wouldn't just do it lightly as a play fight. It would actually be quite strong hits as well. Yeah. So I told both my parents about it separately. Um, but because my cousin was much bigger than me and I was always much smaller than everyone else, even for my age, um, they kind of laughed it off and dismissed it because they just said, oh, you're probably just exaggerating, you know, you're a little girl and, you know, you, he's just playing, you're probably just misunderstanding it. And at that time, when I was around seven, eight, they were going through a divorce. Yeah. And I think divorces in Australia are much easier to go through process-wise because in Europe it takes actually multiple years. Okay. I, I think it was at least four to five years they have to go through this whole process wow. and um so it was like full on and they definitely didn't have the patience or time to kind of worry about you know kids drama which is what they thought it was just kids fighting um and I would always tell my cousin I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna tell him that you're hitting me and you know he kind of knew that no one would take me serious so he's like yeah sure go for it and you know he'd wait and see and there was no consequences no one told him off nothing happened so I guess that made him also really comfortable with just being in control of me. Yeah. So it all started with, you know, 
him making me watch porn, um, which would always be on. I don't know if that's a German thing, but in um, Germany, if you're still watching TV after, uh, what was it, maybe like 9, 10 p.m., it would just be like on any channel. It's just, I don't know, maybe it's, Germans can be sick sometimes. I don't know. It was just (laughs) like the norm, you know. So, yeah, we would just any channel, um, just make me watch it. And then it started with, you know, him making me watch him pleasing himself. Um, And then soon after that, he again took control over me further and he used me to please him and to him touch me. It was mostly about pleasing him, the abuse. So I had to do whatever he wanted me to do. Um, So unfortunately with that, I also don't really have a cute, you know, first kiss story. Like he just took a lot of, experiences like that away from me um so that was now by then it was around age eight to nine and it was still happening um so sometime after that an older female cousin abused me as well and by then it wasn't a shock anymore like it was just another thing it was just like yeah okay said someone else this is what you do this is what we're going to do. I knew that it was all a secret. Like I knew that it, I wasn't allowed to tell people multiple times. Yeah. I was told, you know, even if you do tell people, no one's going to believe you. So yeah. So I just, um, yeah, that continued on for a short period. Yeah. And looking back now, I'm trying to figure out if that had a connection, like my older male with this older female cousin. I don't know if he abused her as well or what the situation was there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that happened and I remember not ever, and this is something that I find really important that people need to realise as well is that there is violent abuses, but then there's these manipulative abuses that happen in family households where, you know, it's not violent, it's all manipulated and it's all very well calculated. So it just happens like, you know, just under the radar. Um, and yeah, it just continued on for quite a few years um by the time I was 13 both abusers stopped not at the same time but it was just by then both of them had phased out and I hadn't seen them any much uh, anymore by then because they both lived in Italy as well and I was still living in Germany so yeah then it was like what was this I was 13 and by five by 15 I moved to Australia and when I moved here I locked it all away I was like this this happened um I'm ashamed of it you know this is very embarrassing it's a huge secret and I'm never ever ever gonna tell anyone about this so I locked it away moved to Australia um and yeah I mean even though I locked it all away I still had flashbacks all the time you know like I'd watch a movie um and there would be like a kissing scene or just any any sort of like loving sexual sort of situation I would get a flashback of everything he did to me or everything he made me do to him um but that again like it became just part of my days you know just roll with it keep going you know you have that thought and then you quickly shake it away and move on with you know distract yourself with something um yeah, so I just continued my whole life. Like, yeah, this is something that we're never going to discuss. And um, 
later on in my mid-20s, I met my partner who was the most, and he still is, the most loving, caring, beautiful man that I was like, he's, he's faking it, you know. Like I just could not comprehend that guys could be so kind and caring because obviously any guy I was exposed to was just, you know, they'll either cheat and have an affair or they'll bash you or, you know, that, that was kind of my perception of men back then. So, yeah, when he came in the picture, it was like a shock to my system. Like, wow, like guys, nice guys actually exist, you know. Um, and with that, you know, he also, I was able to kind of feel vulnerable around him and that made things a little bit worse with me fighting my flashbacks back in my mind for some reason. They kind of became a little bit stronger. Um, yeah. But again, I, I just thought it'll pass. Yeah, okay. you know, it's all good. And uh, 2018, when I was 28, we went to a trip overseas. Um, really nice, you know, sick American trip and just went to like LA and all of that. And that was awesome. And um, we went to New Orleans, which I don't know if you know much about it, but it's all this like, they do lots of um, vampire movies and yeah, okay. ghost and witchy like all that kind of stuff there yeah, yeah. Um, and we're like yeah sweet we'll go check it out you know it's got a lot of history as well so we went there and there was psychics and people that will read your palm and all that kind of stuff and it kind of became like a bit of a play for us as well because they were so cheap like you'd pay a couple of dollars and then they'd read you your future and some of them were really funny because they would just talk a lot of shit to you um but then there was this one lady and she kind of just caught my attention I was like I don't know if it was because of how she was dressed I was like I need to go talk to her yeah. like she just four stands out to me I'll even pay a little bit more let's go talk to her yeah. so we go to this lady and you know she does the usual thing she'll ask your date of birth and do based something based on your numbers blah 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 and then all of a sudden she full rips into my past and just talks about everything that happened like like it's no big deal and I was just like like about my abuse about just how long it happened for and you know everything how I hit it all these years and I was like what the fuck like what the hell you know because no one in wow. my life apart from my abusers knew that so if you want to believe in that kind of stuff or not that woman definitely had a gift, you know, she full dug it all up and she pretty much told me like, you can't avoid this any longer, you know, you're going to keep, you can keep trying fighting it and pretend it didn't happen, but you know very well it happened and you're going to, it's time for you to deal with this stuff so you can move on with your life. And I was like, what the hell, you know, first of all, a stranger's telling me about this, leave alone that I got to deal with this, which I didn't even know how to deal with that stuff. And, um, she almost nearly even, like, she was so good. She nearly told me that uh, my partner was going to propose to me when we go to New York. But then she kind of stopped herself and she, she pretty much just said, you know, just try and catch yourself when you react to surprises because I can be quite blunt and honest, um, especially if you catch me off guard. So, yeah, when he surprised me, you know, I'm definitely not the romantic type. My reaction was, you know, what the fuck, like, what what are you doing <laughs> so it wasn't all cute and love hearts and stuff um but it was beautiful but I didn't realize that that would kind of you know that whole trip pretty much made me face my whole past and by yeah. the time we got back I tried to kind of pretend 
that, you know, I can just move on with it. Yeah, I was okay. like, all right, well now, because when we came back to Australia from our American trip, I actually told my partner about it. I was like, look, oh, wow. we went to New Orleans, um, you know, this, that psychic, she actually dished everything out and, you know, this and this happened. And he kind of looked at me in shock for a second because, yeah, like it was just obviously he didn't know how to react to it. And he's met this cousin of mine before as well. And, um, but he didn't mm. know at the time who it was because I kind of kept it secret. I didn't want to mm. talk about who it was. Because yeah, yeah. I, I knew people would react angry towards him, whereas yeah. all I needed at the time was just support and yeah. just someone to listen and all that. So, yeah, he tried to, you know, guess who it was. And, you know, he was all in shock that uh, that happened. And he was really angry, of course. But then I was like, all right, cool. I've told someone about it now. He's going to keep it a secret. He's going to, you know, not tell people about this. And I'll be able to move on with my life. That's what I thought. I was like, sweet, it's out of my system. I talked about it. Let's move on with yeah. life. Yeah. Boy, was I the fuck wrong about that. <laughs> um, sorry if I'm swearing. I can not. I can try not that's, to swear, by the way. That's so good. Clearly comfortable. Real shit. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was like, yeah, sweet. But no, it was just, it all started, you know, back then. Everything started to come out bit by bit. All the yeah. fears, all the anxiety, all the emotions, just everything just like, it, it was like I opened the lid on this old box and everything yeah. was just coming out. Yeah. Um, and that put me in like a really deep depression and I couldn't handle anything anymore. Just, I uh, just wanted to be home and, you know, obviously affected our relationship. Like we just got engaged and then it was definitely the worst part and time of our relationship for sure. So then my partner's like, no, nah, you got to go to therapy. You got to do something. You need help. You need someone to guide you. And then I eventually went to therapy and um, I made sure I'd find someone that was really good in dealing with people that have been abused as a child. Yeah. And she was good. Like she made me dive straight into it. Like, yeah. And I told her as well, I was like, look, I don't want to muck around. Also because she was fucking expensive. She was almost $200 per session. So I was like, if I'm going to have to cry or whatever, I want you to rip into me and I want, like, let's get this done. Like, I just wanted to, yeah. you know, get this done and not have it, have any more control over my life anymore. Yeah. And she was pretty just, good like that. Like, yeah, go ahead, yeah. sorry. I was just going to say for people out there who who might have that same issue with going and talking to somebody, um, worrying about things being expensive. Um, Nella probably already knows, but what you can do is get a mental health care plan from your GP yes. and you can get free um, free counselling sessions. Just I just want to throw that in there just in case people thought maybe that they wanted to talk to somebody, but that expense could hold them back. That's not the case. You just speak to your GP and ask about a mental health care plan. Just keep going, Nella. Sorry, I just want to throw that in. No, no, no. I'm so glad you said that because that's such a good point. Because to be honest, before I went to see a therapist, I was making all sorts of excuses. You know, I was like, not expensive and this and that. But then the therapist I ended up going for was really expensive and far from home as well. And I had to go before work in the morning. So I'd get up at, you know, 5, 6 a.m. to go there before work. But yeah, before I went to see her, I definitely went to GP first and I got a healthcare plan, mental, what's it called? A mental health care plan, I think it's called. Something like that, yeah, something along those lines. And they just ask you a few questions. You know, they ask you what's, you know, why do you need to see someone? You don't even need to tell them full details. Like I, 
hardly choked out some details to my GP. They just need to answer a few questions on a piece of paper. They'll ask you if you're suicidal. I was suicidal and I said no, I lied because I did not want to admit that out loud. And yeah, once they tick all the boxes, then they ask you for who you want to see and they'll send the referral through. And that actually helped me get a little bit of money back. But you don't have to go to the most expensive one. You know, you can go to whoever you feel comfortable with, to whoever you think is going to help you. Because you get in Australia, I don't know if it's a Victorian or Australian thing, but I think you get about 10 sessions for free for the year. Yeah, um, I think that's so the case. If you go to anything like that, I'm sure those 10 sessions are at least going to give you tools to work with so yeah. that you can, you know, continue doing stuff. Um, but yeah, my therapist, honestly, like she was just amazing. This this cute old lady that once she got me to hold, she was holding a pillow and she's like, I want you to punch it. I'm like, if I punch it, I'm going to knock her over. Like, she's this cute little fragile lady. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. You know? And she, and, yeah. <laughs> um, but she was awesome. She really, really helped me. And um, uh, once things got better, I actually thought, always thought about what that psychic or medium or whatever she was. She also told me, she's like, once you overcome all this, you're actually going to help a lot of people. And I was like, yeah, as if, as if I'm going to help a lot of people. Like I can hardly, you know, handle what you just told me. And, you know, going through it all, I was like, man, there's days where I definitely wanted to end my life because it was just too much, too much. Like all the flashbacks and triggers, it, was, it all had like a lot of control over me and my mind. So I was like, as if I'm going to help people in this state of mind. But halfway through my therapy, like things got better really quickly um and I was like you know what this is such a lonely journey like you can talk I had such good friends such a good partner and I could talk to them about anything and mm -hmm. they could do everything in their power to help me and you can have the best people around you but it is not the same as talking to other people who have gone through similar you know like talking to you Jacob like you and I had yes we both have gone through sexual abuse yeah. both our stories are completely different different yeah. environments different dynamics different people but even just talking to you it just feels so much more comforting because you get what I'm talking about you get what it felt like you know going through certain things so I was like far out I do not want other people to feel that way so I promised myself that if I would be up for it once I was done with therapy that I would start a support page yeah. and that's what I did so I think I started it around maybe April last year yeah. it was locked down in Melbourne I had nothing to do and work was dead so I was like yeah I've got no excuse so yeah. I started I started building this page up and initially I just wanted to share what I went through so that people can yeah. read it and kind of feel comforted and not alone by that but yeah, eventually kind of turn into sort of a support and guide to other people because we are really, really lucky in Australia to having access to, you know, even the 10 therapies a year. Yeah. Or, you know, anything yeah, that we have, we have support groups, we have so much stuff. Other countries don't have that. Yeah. So I... What was your page now, called again? Yeah, it's all right. It's called Love Your Mind and Soul. How do you spell that? So it's love. It's all one word together. So love 
your mind and soul. So end is actually A-N-D as well. So all together, it's a bit of a long one. I actually had to think about that um, for a second. So yeah, so now I just, you know, I share my tools that I learned in therapy, what I went through, um, you know, I'm pretty blunt and honest on that page as well. Not many people like that because obviously it can be triggering, but I didn't want to put, you know, fairy floss and shit around it because this is not a pretty thing to go through. And, you know, if you make things too nice, people will feel alone and they'll think, wow, why am I feeling so horrible? Yeah. Why is my situation so terrible? So, and this is what I loved about, you know, us planning this podcast today and how you said that, you want it to be real. You want it to be real because you want people to see that we are real people and you want others to be able to relate. I love that. Like that's spot on, you know, that I really love that concept so much. So, and that's what I'm going to keep trying doing it on my page as well. Yeah. Um, so that's been awesome so far because while I've helped yeah. people guide them, it's actually been a big help to me as well because yeah. there's still topics that, I might have not covered in therapy and that are not like really, really important, but all the little details, you know, talking to them about them with other people is really, really nice that have gone through the same thing. Yeah, definitely. It's a great support page. I recommend anyone who is joining in to have a look at the page. It'll be in the link of the bio to this podcast also, but yeah, love your mind and soul. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good page. (laughs) I highly recommend it. And so... I think I remember a conversation um, when we done our Instagram live a while ago. When, yeah, um, you know, when this started happening and you were starting to get triggered, you started to get, to get depression. Um, mm. Did you did you have any addiction issues or what sort of things were you going through when um, when that happened? Did you start home or what, what was it like for you? You know that that's an interesting question because I hear of a lot of people go through addiction and all that maybe during the whole process but mine was definitely all before I spoke about it when I was trying to numb things hide things from my mind push things memories away during those times so that was from you know since my abuse happened which I think it ended at around 13 up until 2018 that was my numb phase you know that was my denial phase during that, I I drank like it was water, like it was so much drinking of just numbing depression and pains. And, and that's when I felt the best, you know, when I was blind drunk and having a great time. And that's when I didn't think of those things at all. For yeah. some reason, those those memories were numbed away. And, and that's when I felt the best. I felt confident. I felt happy. And, you know, um, so that there was a lot of that. Um, there was a little phase when I was young I think I was eight or nine where I was smoking (laughs) which is really young if I think about it now Um, no doubt that's probably affected why my height and why I'm so little (laughs) Um, but there was a little bit of that and definitely hanging out with the wrong crowds during my abuse because yeah going through that and just not acknowledging your emotions of what you're going through that's that's going to be bottled up and turn into anger and you know misery and whatnot so hanging out with the wrong crowds doing the wrong thing 
you know, uh, sneaking out at night to yeah. go and hang out with my friends. Um, even it was like minus 10 degrees and knee high snow, we would just, you know, just go out and, you know, stealing. My God, did I steal a lot. Um, not proud of it now, but it just, for some reason, that, that felt like it was the right thing to do. And I wasn't doing it for attention. I didn't want to get caught because some people, this is what I hate when some people who are not aware of these things, they judge people, you know, oh, druggies, oh, people stealing, you know. They very often, they don't do it for attention, you know. They're going through shit. They've had a shit life. No one's guided them through anything. They're not doing, they're not doing, doing drugs for attention or whatever. Yeah. So I think that's like a big thing that I, I hopefully the world is going to understand one day. Um, yeah. But yeah, so much stealing. Like I did not want to get caught. You know, the yeah. Mother's Day gifts, they were all stolen, which my yeah. mom still doesn't know to today. Um, my book, my stuff for school. Yeah. I mean, it didn't help that, you know, we didn't have much money. Yeah. Um, but if I really wanted to, I could have asked my dad. I mean, he was always loaded growing up, um, which we didn't see much of it because he didn't want my mom to have that money. So, you know. There was times where we lived in the commission homes with, you know, no food or not being able to pay the electricity bill, which is pretty shit in Germany if you live minus some degrees in winter. Yeah, it would have been chilly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so to answer your question, there was definitely a few elements of that, you know, mainly yeah. that I can think of is stealing and alcohol. Um, yeah. Drugs, I think, I was always scared that drugs would actually kill me because yeah. my body's so little and can handle it can yeah. hardly handle anything. Mm. So I didn't actually go in there. Like the most I probably tried was weed. Um, yeah. And that's, that's about it, you know, but yeah, to answer your question, it was definitely a lot of that, yeah. um, which I guess looking back now was just to kind of feel something as well. You know, when you, yeah. when you steal, I would feel like a bit of a rush. Yeah. And when you go through sexual abuse and you try and numb it all out, you don't feel anything. You're just this numb, for me anyway, yeah. just this going through numb every day. So, yeah, when you do stuff like that, when you drink alcohol, when you, yeah. when you steal, you get a sun, you know, like a sense of a rush going yeah. through you. It sounds like you've really turned your life around from going through all the things in your life and now what you're doing now. Um, is, there, is there any, like, words of advice that you would say to any survivors who haven't disclosed or who have and are just struggling? Um, look, one thing I've been thinking about heaps lately is I've been talking to a few people on my page um, just about, you know, what they're going through and just how scared they are to go to therapy and how, you know, and it is, it's a scary thought of talking about it out loud writing it a message to me in my dms on my page is probably like yes it can be a bit overwhelming but it's probably not as difficult as saying the words out loud yeah. because it kind of just becomes a little bit more real when you say these things out loud mm -hmm. so one word of advice is you know just think back of how long you've been going through this feeling miserable you yeah. know just trying to ignore your flashbacks and all the triggers you have every day, every week, or whenever they happen, you're already feeling miserable. That's the reality of it, right? You're not having the best life of your life. Yes, it might look like that on the outside, maybe on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, in your pictures. But inside of you, you're 
probably feeling shit hiding all that stuff. So if you're scared to go to therapy, I mean, it's not going to get any worse than that. You're already going through a really bad time right now. So if you're going to go to therapy, like, yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. But guess what? We're going to be uncomfortable any time of our life. You meet someone new, you're uncomfortable. You know, before I started this podcast, I was uncomfortable. I was nervous. You start a new job, you're uncomfortable. So you're always going to be uncomfortable in your life. But at least if you go to therapy, you're getting something out of it. You know, you're going to finally be in control of your life. You're going to finally be in control of your thoughts and your feelings. So I cannot stress enough to everyone I talk to how important it is to talk to someone even if you want to do like a little stepping stone of talking to a friend or me like just come to me I'm just a stranger that's not gonna tell anyone about you know anything you can just talk to me tell me your story and we can go from there but I still highly recommend that therapy does take place because that's that's probably like the core part of your journey on helping you actually get better and just take your power back that's um that's great advice and I highly recommend that myself, you know. Talking about it, getting it off your chest, you would have no idea how good it feels. It's just like oh, a yeah. really good feeling. I could um yeah, really highly recommend that. And just for one more time, just so yeah. everyone knows, um, what is your handles for social media again? Can you Yes, sorry, I'll actually spell it out. Yeah. And you know what? Let me let me just read it off my phone just in case I spell it wrong. I don't want to spell it wrong. <laughs> no, that's cool. Yeah, no, that's um, right. I've actually done that before. <laughs> have you? <laughs> yeah, the long names they kill me. We all make you know. mistakes. Yeah. Our organization um, that time for justice is also pretty long, you know. So when you're trying yeah. to spell it out here on the spot, you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh dear. Um yes, so it's love your mind and soul, which is L-O-V-E. Y-O-U-R-M-I-N-D-A-N-D-S-O-U-L. So I probably should have picked the shorter name, but that's all I could come up with at the time when I started my page. No, that's cool. Um, I like the name. What what did you um what gave you sort of the initiative to call it that? What was there a reason behind it or yeah, so when I was going through all this crap, you know, before therapy, during therapy, it's especially especially during the suicidal times I hated my mind right my mind was the reason why I was feeling that well not really the reason why I was feeling that way is because I got abused but the reason why it was still having power over me is because my mind kept reminding me and I didn't understand the whole concept of why triggers happen why flashbacks happen and all of that so I hated my mind with a passion you know and um, I'm a big if if you couldn't tell already, I actually do believe in this whole spiritual and all this stuff, especially after that, that lady who I've never in my life met before. I definitely believe in on the, you know, in the spiritual world. So I believe that when I went through that, my soul definitely got damaged, you know, or whatever you believe in, your energy, your soul, your aura, whatever. So I definitely damaged both of them, damaged my mind and my soul. So I want to try and teach and guide people on how to learn to love your mind again and you know let's love your body and soul and kind of heal everything together again so that's why I chose the name beautiful name mate I love it thank you for being a guest on survivor stories thank you for having me it's been awesome
I would like to thank everyone who is following Survivor Stories for being a part of our community. If you would like to follow our journey on social media, we are on Facebook and Instagram at About Time for Justice, which is spelled about A B O U T Time T I M E for F O R Justice J U S T I C E. There is no spaces, that is all one word. We also have Twitter, but unfortunately we could not get the same name. Our handle is about time 4JU1. We also have a website, abouttimeforjustice.com. We also encourage all of our listeners to jump on to our closed off Facebook prison support group, which is called Beating the System. You can find all the links in this podcast in the details section below. We would love to hear your story. If you would like to be a guest on our show, please hit me up. If you found any value from this podcast, I would ask you to pay a small fee. And of course, that is only if you found value. We do not charge or run any ads at the moment. I ask if you could please subscribe, leave a review and to tell one friend about our show.